Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. Hey guys, and welcome back to Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sam. And this week's episode is a special one. We are recording and interviewing fellow podcasters from the Legally Judgy podcast. And guys, these ladies are so cool. They're like older sister vibes all the way, giving us insight. We also kind of had to take them back to law school, which I don't know if they were prepared for. And they were just such good sports and we totally recommend their podcast. They are hilarious. It's a great one to incorporate into your weekly podcast listening. Yes. Alexa and Nicole are absolutely hilarious. Like I wish you guys could have seen my face the entire time. I was like smiling ear to ear because they're so funny. Um, and if you guys like pop culture, like that's what in like legal, obviously that's what their podcast is all about. So yeah, after this episode, go subscribe to their episode and let's welcome our guests. Please help me welcome Nicole and Alexa from the Legally Judgy podcast. Hi guys. How are y'all? Hi. We're so excited to be here. Very excited. Thank you for having us. Yes. Yes. Okay, guys. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to start up. Yeah. I'm the elder. Wow. You're going to call me out so soon. Well, five seconds in, huh? Uh, well, this is Alexa. I'm the funny one. Um, also charming, some say. Um, I I went to law school. I'm actually a double Bruin, undergrad at UCLA and law school at UCLA, born and bred SoCal. So shout out to all the Valley girls out there. And uh I am what is I'm seven years out now. I'm a 2014 law school grad, Excellent. which is crazy. Don't look at my face too closely. Um, we're in LA, so I need some Botox. The wrinkles are there. <laughs> yeah, definitely there. Uh, and when I first set out to go to law school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to practice. I just I was like lawyer, doctor. That's what I saw on TV, and I faint at the sight of blood. So I went the lawyer route. That's li- literally. I wish I was making that up. It's I'm not. Um, and so I went to law school at UCLA. It was a little killer, not going to lie. And that was that. I'm like, going want to like nod to you to be like, your I wasn't turn. there. I'm sorry. For you <laughs> Why did you there. help me out? I had my own journey. Yeah. And uh, I fell in love with entertainment and IP law at law school. So I knew that that was the journey for me, um, which is ironic because I didn't get to do that right out of law school. <laughs> do they ever? I was a, I was a real no. estate lawyer. Do they ever? Yeah. I was a real estate lawyer for three years until I was able to get out of the big law uh, space and go in-house at an entertainment studio. So 
that's kind of a, a general overview of me. Perfect. Okay, I guess I'll go. Um, so I'm Nicole. <laughs> I went to University of Pennsylvania for law school. I uh, graduated from NYU in, I guess, what, 2011? Yeah, 11. And I graduated and I was like, I either want to be a teacher or I want to be a lawyer. And so I chose the like non-committal one first that didn't require any extra debt. So I was a teacher for a little bit and that just didn't speak to my soul. I didn't feel like <laughs> the future of America needed me leading yeah. them. So I was like, Thank okay. <laughs> Um, so I ended up going to UPenn for law school while I was there. I thought I still like had a knack for education. I really like kids. So I thought I either want to be an education attorney or entertainment attorney because I have loved pop culture for as long as I can remember. Like I definitely know every celebrity and their kids' names, but can't do my taxes. So I hope that helps out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) she does all the math. Um, so yeah, I went to, I went to Penn, um, similar to Alexa. I didn't have the glorious exit that I had planned for. And I went into big law for a bit. And so I also did real estate. Um, but then ultimately I kind of, I knew that I wanted to go in-house and do entertainment. And so I just didn't think that real estate was going to be the most transferable thing. Also because I was in New York and the entertainment market is much smaller, Whereas Alexa was in LA is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to another big law firm to do M&A, which was a super fun time in my life. I slept under my desk and I had three, four meals a day there. So it was, it was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. My stress has never been lower. So I did that for a bit and then ended up going to CBS for a while to do sports and news law, um, which was not exactly the kind of entertainment that I wanted to do, but felt like it was a good transition and opening opportunity coming from M&A. And then ultimately moved to LA with my husband and then came to the same entertainment studio that Alexa's at. So we, we sit on different sides of the aisle though. I'm That's on feature film. She does TV. So mm-hmm. we're a little bit different in that regard, but yeah, both entertainment attorneys. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So First I'm off, very, like, I know. Your law school. We got to go back to yeah, your law school. Yeah, so that's experience. what I was going to say. Like, you I always track. No, bit. like it also, I mean, it just shows how... So much of what you do as a lawyer is after law school, you know, mm-hmm. but for all the people like us who are like, guys, you both went to some of the top law schools in the country. Like, how was that? You know, what were your accomplishments? What were your struggles? What can you tell the guys and gals out there who are trying to get into those schools, you know, and w- when they do get in, how do they become successful? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think there's there's no one way in, right? Like I was obviously a teacher, so I and I had come from NYU and I had studied education, so I didn't have and I I had a I also had a major in history, so I guess that was like kind of on par for law yeah. school, but a lot of people a lot of people going in studied like poli sci and things that I didn't study, and so I was really nervous that I was going to be kind of negatively impacted for candidacy in that way. Yeah. Um, but I really picked law schools that I felt like would speak to the things that I thought I wanted to do. And one of those things being education law and the other thing being entertainment. And Penn obviously has like no attachment to entertainment. It's in Philly, but they have a really strong corporate, like kind of, um, I guess, part of the school. And so I was like, okay, that's at least transferable. So I kind of just look for schools where I thought there was some kind of tie to what I might want to do and just really focus my ass off on like getting the best LSAT scores possible, which obviously meant really crappy summer. Um, the summer before I took the LSAT in October. And then also just like really, really working hard on my personal statements to try and like bridge all of the gaps between here's the candidate that I am and here's why you want to offer me a spot at your law school and like what I'm going to bring to the table. Because I think ultimately like 
like dating, right? Or even interviewing for a job. Like you want to show up, what am I going to bring? And so I was like, I bring a different kind of experience and a lot of students coming in. I'm a woman. I'm also a woman of color. And like, I'm, I'm very involved and, you know, interactive in everything that I do. So I knew I would come in and be a part of student groups and like really try to shape the culture of the school. And so that was kind of my process going in. And then, I don't know if you want to talk about yours first or if I should talk about my experience at law school. I don't know. I just made it awkward. I'll talk, I'll talk about my experience at law school and then she can go. Just keep going. Just keep going. Penn was great. I mean, listen, I think Penn is, it's definitely super corporate. So there weren't like the sexy things weren't happening at Penn. Um, there was like, I think I took one class that was maybe related and it was fashion law. And it was like the first time they had offered it and it was a seminar. So it wasn't even like a full course. Right. So we were like kind of looking at contracts and maybe talking to the professor who was a partner at a, a firm about like, the things that she was experiencing. But I said to say that there was nothing related to entertainment. So I was really just like taking the courses that I thought were going to be most beneficial going down the line, which was like, of course, corporate law, corporations and securities and all that stuff mm-hmm. that I was like, it's not sexy to me. And I'm not, you know, not like fantasizing about this, but it'll be good for like, you know, my transcript and all that when I wanted to go, when I, want, when I wanted to go into big law. So class was what it was. It was definitely very challenging. I mean, it's pen. So like, it was a rat race all the time. And I was what not... What about the competition? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But no, no, I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say I wasn't, I was not like in the top 5% of my class. I mean, I went to school with really, really smart people uh. who I think also knew how to study for law school. And I was not that person first year. And so first year was really a struggle for me. And I came out with grades that I was not super thrilled about, especially yeah. having come from a life where I had three majors at NYU and was always in the Dean's list. And so I was like, what, what is this? What do you mean? And so I like cried for an entire two weeks yeah. after my one L, you know, first semester grades. And I was like, I'm a failure. Like I should just leave now. And luckily I had parents who were like, mm, okay, dramatic. Relax. Like, <laughs> why don't you go get like, you know, go like get a little coffee, do your thing, do some self-care. Some like we'll like get it back together. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so then I was like, okay, cool. Like, I guess I just have to figure it out and like refocus. And so I spent the next semester being like, what do I do better? And my grades definitely went up. They still weren't all A's. So I was still like not the top person in the class. But, but I eventually realized that like, you don't need to be the top person in the class because, you know, people come out of law schools and they figure out their careers and they have different journeys irrespective of whatever their grades may be. And as long as you've got things that you can bring and you're trying your hardest, I was like, you'll figure it out. And I think a big part of that is like networking too, right? Like I was going to say the other part, I wasn't great in the classes. Classes were not my jam in law school, but I was really good at like getting involved in the student groups and networking. And I was involved in like the student entertainment thing that was outside of my law school. So I could be like, okay, I don't have all A's, but like I've got a fucking personality and I'll make you laugh. So how about me? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I love it. Yeah. Um, Same. Just ditto. Can I just say that? Uh, (laughs) Plus one. Yeah. Um, you know, my journey, it was interesting too. I'm like the first one to go to college in my family, Mexican, right? And so like my dad is the youngest of nine, came over from Mexico. I mean, it's that story, right? So uh, I just, I say I got a little lucky. I have a great memory. So through <laughs> school, through undergrad, I'd say you can get by if you have a good memory, right? And then law school, you're like, oh, shit, that's not, that's not <laughs> yeah. how you get by anymore. Exactly. Like I memorized all the laws. And then you take the test and you're like, why don't you want to know a, re- a recitation of all the laws? I don't get it. The word bob it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> exactly. I, I'll regurgitate whatever you want. Tell me what to regurgitate. And you yes. learn quickly. That is not how it works in law school. Um, and so let me back up a second. I, I went to, I actually went to a, a JC community college first. Um, and I remember a counselor at UCLA undergrad at one point 
or was it law school? I think it was law school. I had it on my resume and they said, you know what, why don't you just get rid of the JC? They don't need to know that anymore. And I remember having this kind of moment of feeling a little shameful about it, but I was thinking, you know what? I walked out with no debt from undergrad um, because I got my first two years much cheaper at a JC than going into (laughs) undergrad, you know, and whatever. So I try to be very transparent about that, that there's no shame at all going to a JC. It's just yeah. as good. And look where you, you know, you could still be very successful. So, cause you know, I'm a very successful. Yeah, or, or pillars I was of like, success. Wait, that sounded, that sounded a little too arrogant. <laughs> <Okay. isn't it? laughs> we know what you mean. Our, we know what you mean. Yeah. In our student debt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, coming out of undergrad, I actually took a year off and I interned at this law firm, Munger, Tolson, Olson, that's located in downtown LA. And it was a one-year program. I did half the time doing litigation, the other half doing transactional work. I was like, holy shit, I hate litigation. If this is what lawyers are, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> figure out how to get by with blood. You know, I'm gonna be a doctor. That's the only way. Get by so, with blood. <laughs> gonna figure it out. Uh, so luckily I transitioned to the transactional practice after the first six months. And then I was like, okay, this is, this is better. Um, you know, litigation, I just, the research, all that, I was like, I can't do this. Like Westlaw, LexisNexis. I'm like, oh, citation. It was like the, I forget what you guys call it now, but it's that manual. The, you know, the blue book. The blue book? What do you mean what you call it now? <laughs> I, I definitely called that. Like, I don't even know. I don't even think about it. Out. <laughs> yeah, I'm like 80 years old. What do you guys call that? <laughs> oh um, so I could not do that. I was like transactionals for me. Uh, and luckily, you know, it, it worked out because I applied to law schools. And same here, like the LSAT, it was a, it was a struggle. Like, this is not, you know, I think the games, I'm like, this is not a game. This is like squid game, maybe not fun. Like, yes. <laughs> kind of game. You know, this is not fun. So I wasn't like a super high score on the LSAT. I got by with my good looks. No, I'm just kidding. I got by <laughs> with, I had good grades from undergrad. I had, I think a strong personal statement. I've always kind of prided myself on being a good writer. Yeah. And let's be real. I checked all the diversity boxes. I'm a woman. I'm Mexican. I'm a lesbian. And so they were just like, check, 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 check. I'm not saying that's, you know, the reason I got in, but it doesn't hurt. Right. So I'm going to play to my strengths. So if that's what I need to do, I'm going to lean into it. And sometimes that sucks, right? You shouldn't have to, but whatever, you know? So, and, and when you get to law school, you realize, oh, wait, that's important because I look around and I'm like, oh, I'm like one of, I think mm-hmm. in my my class, I was like one of a handful of Latins. Yeah. There was like five Latins, three black people, you know, I'm like, okay, we're just going to stick together here. And so bleeding into law school, the culture for me, it was a, it was a bit difficult. Um, I felt like I was around a lot of people who came from money or kind of knew a lot of lawyers or, you know, just, I kind of felt out of my element. And I remember felt, I remember feeling a lot of times that, a lot of imposter syndrome. Am I smart enough to be here? How did I get in? Um, there were, unfortunately, I don't think it was my first year. I think it was my second year, but there was a, a communal chalkboard at UCLA where people could put up notices. And there was some racist remarks left on that chalkboard um, one day. And it was terrible. Um, it doesn't mean the entire school felt that way, right? But when you're already feeling a bit, you know, outcasty, that kind of impact, you know, not light. So on top of all that, I struggled too with classes. 
I was, I remember I just kept thinking, what is this? What is happening? What do they want from me? And I remember I kept hearing, oh, you, have you outlined yet? It's like day two. I'm like, I, what's an outline? Oh what are God. you talking about? Remember that? Yeah. How so you, crazy. Do you guys have your outline? I'm still unpacking. Like, can you give me a minute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you done practice tests? That was always like, a scary part about Halloween too, right? Like we're approaching that. And I remember Halloween being like, so this is the last time we're all going to see each other. I'm like, okay, not for me. Like, I still need human interaction. Thank you. Right. It was yeah. like Hunger Games because it's on a curve, right? So you're like, <laughs> yes, I love literally. you, but also stab. You're like, oh, no, I'm sorry. You're bleeding out, you know? <laughs> oh, bye. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, I think the environment just lends itself to not feeling like you have that connection, certainly, right? Mm-hmm. But you, it's probably with your core group. It's not the entire class because you know it's on a curve. So there's only so many of you that are going to get the A's, the B's, the C's, you know? So I too, first year, entire first year, did not do that great grades wise. And I just thought, oh, great. How, how am I going to get hired now? And the key, I think this is the key to my success. And exactly like Nicole said, networking. I kept in contact with the lawyers that I had met at Munger Tolls, that law, that law firm that I worked at before law school. And I just, I tried to get externships while I was in school, which was contributing to my exhaustion, but <laughs> you just have to hustle a little bit more, right? And I did my best to understand testing. And I would say that I didn't actually fully understand what they wanted from me until after I graduated and took the bar. For whatever reason, when I was taking the Barbary classes, it finally clicked. And I was like, oh, this is what they wanted? I could have done that. <laughs> yeah. And like a, a sick part of me is like, what if I went back to law oh school? Gosh, could I no. get an A one day? <laughs> get an a, yeah. <laughs> I feel that. But yeah, so, so that's my story. You both got jobs right out of law school. Did you get those jobs when you were three L's or was it after you took the bar? Kind of what was that process? Was it like through OCI? Can you give us a little bit of insight on that? Yeah. So at Penn, we had OCI. Uh, when, when did that take place? After first year? I, I really have tried to bl- like blank all this out. Um, after <laughs> first year. It was torturous. Back PTSD. The trauma. I'm Guys sorry. Yeah. PTSD. That's why I know it's citation thing. <laughs> um, Penn had OCI. So we did that the summer after first year. And so I went into my first uh, law firm, Schultz, Roth, and Zabel in New York. Uh, as a summer associate my second summer and then went back. I got the offer at the end of my second summer and then went back after graduation. So, you know, of course, they like we had the whole summer off to study for the bar. And I think we started work like a couple... No, it was like a full month, I think, after we took the bar exam. Um, so that was how I did it. Uh, OCI was horrible. I hated it. I feel like... I don't... I, I know that it varies from school to school, but at Penn, it was like two weeks where you would go and talk to like five law firms in different mm-hmm. conference rooms a day. And then you would just like wait and hope that they offered, you know, like offered you the ability to come in and do the full round and do the lunch and the dinner or whatever case it was. So I think I did, I mean, I did, I don't remember how many on-campus ones I did because there was just too many, but post like the ones that I came back for, I think I did like maybe 10, 15 and then had offers to like four-ish big law firms after, which was pretty good. I mean, it was decent Like when I look back because I now know what that process can be. But a lot, again, it was like competition. It's Hunger Games. Some of my you know peers had like 20 offers. And I was like, I just don't have that. Like, that's crazy. And so I definitely like left OCI feeling like a failure because I was like, I didn't have that many. I only had four. But like, again, I look back and I'm like, you don't need 20 offers. What are you going to do with 20 offers? You just need one. You need one good offer where you start, where you prove yourself and you can leave later once you've done that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So for me, 
after my first year, like I said, my grades were not that great and it was very competitive at UCLA. So I actually ended up at this uh, nonprofit called Inner City Law Center in downtown. And they, I was part of the homeless veterans program where I just worked with homeless veterans who wanted to get their um, medical benefits and random. I would have never thought I'd end up there. And it was literally just chance. Um, one of my friends said that they were hiring I didn't have anything lined up for my 1L summer, so I worked there. And I enjoyed the experience, but it was extremely depressing. And no part of me thought I could actually do this. It was just too sad. And so um, so begins my second year. And I, again, I knew by that point I wanted to try to get into entertainment. So being in LA, it is very convenient because we have a lot of entertainment companies over here. I applied for an internship at HBO and I got it. So I worked at HBO my second summer and that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I bet. (laughs) It was very cool. It was very exciting. It was, it was like the movies, you know, you get to walk in. I'm, I remember I was seeing celebrities in the lobby and I'm like, Oh my God, I've never seen anybody. (laughs) Like this is crazy. Right. Um, and then I remember seeing the premiere at the time, True Blood. I don't know if you two watch that or if anybody watches that, but I remember they were coming out with their, I don't know, second to last season. So they premiered it for all the employees. And I just felt like so cool. They they gave us these hideous, uh, light gray jackets that said HBO on them. It's like something that you would wear to the gym when you don't want to be seen. And I I, like would wear it. I'm like, I'm so cool with my HBO jacket, you know, but it was just this really surreal moment of feeling like, oh, it's all worth it now. Mm -hmm. Come to find out by the end that entertainment companies and studios don't typically hire law school students right out of law school. They want you to go get firm experience first. So they basically said, we like you, but we can't hire you after. I'm like, well, great. Thank you for the souvenir with my little gray jacket. You know, So I walked away with that. But again, my eye was, okay, I'll stay in touch with everybody that I met and let's see what happens. So my third year, I just wanted experience. I uh, took an internship at uh, Viacom, my first semester of my third year. Again, same situation. Loved the people. Also very different. HBO uh, premiere, like streamer and great content and people wore suits. Viacom, MTV. It was like rock bands. People were wearing um, like <laughs> like chucks to work. Yeah. One of the secretaries pulled out a bottle of wine midday. She's like, you want some? And I was like, is this a test? Uh, so... <laughs> like literally rock bands would just kind of play and they'd be like, Oh, should we feature them on MTV? And I'm like, I guess this is cool though. Right. So it was a completely different experience again, fun, but they were like, we can't hire you out of law school. So I'm like, great. Thank you. So I had been keeping in touch with all the lawyers that I told you guys about um, at the law firm that I worked at before law school. And one of the lawyers had moved from that firm to Greenberg Traurig and in the real estate department in LA and I was like, hey, you need a new associate to fill your real estate group. Did I tell you that I love buildings? Um, and so <laughs> they were like, why don't we try it out? So my last semester of my third year, call it down to the wire, I extern at Greenberg Traurig and luckily it worked out. And so after that, they said, pass the bar and you can come back. And so luckily I passed the bar and I went back as a real estate attorney there. Um, also like shout out to you. So Greenberg Traurig is a huge real estate firm. Like, so we, I used to negotiate across from her firm, not from her personally, sadly, um, on some sadly. of my early real estate deals. And I'm like, it's so impressive to me that you just 
went to like one of the top real estate Weasled, firms. I and, scanned my way in, in there. your last semester and you made it stick. Good for you. That's and I that's the thing that I want everyone to remember that it's going to feel stressful. If someone, if a magical fairy could have said, don't worry, you'll have a job after, stop stressing. That would have been very helpful. <laughs> but in the moment, right? Hindsight is 2020. I'm, I was thinking I'm a failure. I'm not going to have a job. Oh my God, what am I going to do? My student loans start to kick in. I don't have anything. Everybody talk about four. I would have been four offers. Wow. I'm like, can I get half? I will take half, right? <laughs> but it was like, I got to keep trying. And to Nicole's point, I remember literally thinking, I just need one. Mm-hmm. It, you just yeah. need one to give you that foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a small solo practitioner, you can work your way, have your experience if you want to go to a mid or a, you know, a large firm, whatever your goals are, right? Just something to get experience, to get you going. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you are currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Absolutely. And I think it just goes back to your point of networking. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole way you got into that real estate firm. Yeah. So you, Alexa, started at real estate at a big firm and then you, Nicole, started at a big firm as well. Yep. So what what was that like? What's firm life like? Don't do it. (laughs) No. It, listen, it's it's tough. It's like not for the faint of heart, but neither is law school. So if you've made mm-hmm. it through law school, you can make it in a law firm. Yeah, it's it's different, right? Like you're not studying, you don't have classes, but you're just working. Really, some days really long, arduous days that are very fast paced because there are these deals that are like flying across your desk. And of course, you know you've got senior associates and partners who can like read something and make sense of it in two seconds. And you're a first year associate, and you're like indemnification. What, so can, what, what is that? Like, what does that mean? What am I doing with this? Yes. <laughs> and you like read the same sentence 10 times over, hoping it's going to stick. You know, like, I don't know. I'm giving up. Yeah. So I said to say that like, it's stressful, right? Because you're trying to understand all these really complex deals and terms and yeah. provisions and structures and all of that. So like, it's challenging in that regard. And it's also, like I said, exhausting. Um, Cause you're just working. You can work really long hours sometimes, but it, it ebbs and flows. So like, 
summer was always a quieter time for real estate, but then like fall, definitely end of the year was like insane because everybody wants to close out their deals before the holidays. So like I always knew November, December, we're going to be horrible. But if I could just hold on until like June, July, it would all be okay. So that was challenging. But I will say that like my first firm was great culturally. Um, I had, I worked with a lot of great people. I, you know, I had a really great team around me in the real estate department who really took me under their wing and put me on some really great deals. So I learned really quickly, which, you know, the learning quickly is a double-edged sword. That means you're on more deals and you're working longer hours, but they've, they trust you more. And so like you're getting more experience. It's ultimately beneficial for whatever's next for you. So like my group was great in that regard. But then I also had, I had a partner mentor who was another woman of color. She was in the litigation, litigation department. So she was not like, you know, a, a supervisor to me, but she was a safe space for me to go and talk to in the firm. And so I always had her to like ask career questions about and try and get advice and, you know, try and stay active in the larger firm. Because I think that matters when you're building the relationships and making the networking and showing like yourself as somebody who's not just a good lawyer, but somebody who's going to build the community around you. And so in that regard, like I loved my first firm for that reason. Like they, I, I just, I have, I like definitely have no complaints culturally about my first form or even my second one. Um, I went to Latham and Watkins second when I did M&A, which is a huge, um, it's a huge law firm. Generally it's global, but M&A is like their bread and butter. So also really, really t- tough hours and days yeah. And there were definitely some moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this, but like, I would just hold on for each day. And I was like, it'll get better. I'll figure it out. And it did. And again, I had like a lot of great people around me on my team, um, but also had a great firm like culture that I could look up to. Of course, you know, there's, there's always like a bad egg. So like there's everybody's not going to be amazing because I don't think that everybody is maybe great at training juniors who like need a bit more time and maybe handholding for lack of better terms to understand things. But I think when you're in those situations, I was always just like, okay, so who can I go talk to instead? Who's going to be helpful for me to grow as an attorney and as a person so that I can be better on this deal? Because ultimately, like everybody just wants to get things done for the client. So I knew I knew it was never personal. It was just like, we want to give the client the fastest, best work product that we can. And so the more that I tried to figure out how I could be of assistance in that, I think the better the situation was around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my experience was hot and cold. I think to Nicole's point, not only is a lot, you know, it the culture is going to vary law firm to law firm and even department by department. So I think that in my real estate department in the LA office, it was small, it felt like a family. But I would talk to associates in other departments who had a miserable time. And don't get me wrong, it's not like I didn't have a miserable time at points in time. I do. I will say it can feel a lot like the good old boys club. I the real estate also yeah. tends to be predominantly men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of things are, but real estate. So I was most often like the only woman in the room, which is fine. I, I like guys, you know, so it was good, but also it just, the camaraderie was missing. And then when we actually got a female associate at one point, I was like, oh, this is so nice. You know, it felt a difference of just, I think it's like, finding your people mm-hmm. wherever yeah. you are, whether it's in law school or at a law firm and you, you find your peers and then you find your mentors. That's key. And so you're not only networking for professional gain, but you're networking for your sanity um, <laughs> yeah. to, to have that because yeah. I think without that bond, it's going to be a lot harder to stick to the day-to-day work because yeah. I found that the most frustrating points in time was feeling like I was out of control. I, I had no control over my own life. 
no autonomy over my own schedule. And so you can plan a dinner, you can plan a vacation, but you don't, you cannot guarantee, you cannot be guaranteed that it won't be impacted Mm -hmm. by work. And for me over time, that is what I think ultimately broke me down was not being able to commit to family events, friend events, even self-care, you know, again, hindsight's 2020. If I could go back in time or at least tell my younger self some words of wisdom, I would say, hey, do more on the self-care front. Go to therapy, work out. There were a lot of days where I would just kind of, no, I just need to get this work done. I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to let myself, it was this kind of toxic, I'm not going to let myself move until my work is done. What I should have said is the work will be there um, and I'm going to get it done. I know I will, but hey, let's do an hour at the gym or uh, you know, you've been hesitant about therapy, but some crazy people have been saying it actually helps them, <laughs> right? It's this lack of self-awareness and feeling like I don't need therapy. I got it. Like I'm strong enough. Cut to me having like a million nervous breakdowns and panic attacks um, at any given moment, right? So it's kind of like, no, things are not okay. And so how do some people do it? And some people don't, right? It's not because some people are weak and some people are strong. I think it's a mix of what do you actually want to do in life? Is this work interesting to you? What are your goals? Um, what kind of law do you want to practice? Is Do you even want to practice law? Because I had a lot of moments like, do I even want to practice law? And I had a lot of those moments in my first year where I was just thinking, what am I doing here? What is happening? I don't get any of this stuff. And then I would say after the first six months, you know, a year, you get the hang of it. I would say by your second year, you're like, okay, I kind of get what's happening. But don't let anyone fool you in law school or at a law firm if they're starting out at the same time as you. If they tell you, oh, this is easy. Are you kidding me? I get it right away. You're like, no, no, you don't. Either you're shit at your job or as a student and you're doing not so great work or you're just trying to F with my mind. Because I remember there would be yeah. certain people at times acting like, ah, it's fine. Or I remember even studying for the bar. They'd be like, ah, I'm done. I'm going to go party now. And I'm like, what? I, I got to study the whole night. Oh my God, I'm the idiot, right? Yeah. Cut to do whatever you want to do. But that's not, don't let that affect or make you feel less than. Because I, you I, don't know if they're telling the truth. And I think the flip side of that, right, is that there are people who are not going to be the most supportive and who won't be helpful, but find your friends who will be. Because like, of course, like we, you know, what we said, they're senior associates and partners. And of course you want that mentorship relationship with, but you also just need friends. Like we work together and we vent 99% of the day. Mm-hmm. And like when I was in law firms, me and all the other summers, the first years, whatever the case is, like we would all just be on like the group chat things and like whatever the firm, you know, chat thing was just talking shit the entire time because you mm-hmm. need somebody who's going to be like, I don't know what the fuck is happening either. I'm also really hungry. I could also use a nap. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it really seems like to me that the first five years of practice, at least from what I've heard, are kind of just like law school, but totally different in the sense that it's competitive. People act like they know what's going on when they don't know what's going on. You're just, it's a totally, it's a new learning curve. And you're also just around a lot of people who expect you or, or you just have imposter syndrome. I think that's Mm -hmm. it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, what do you say, you know, like you said to your younger self, like, what do you tell your younger self? I know you said self-care. I think that's something we preach over and over. I know I'm just trying to incorporate that into my daily life so that I can be better prepared for the future. You know, what do you say, Nicole? 
what I, I, when I wish I could have gone back and told myself that like everybody, everybody's journey is not your journey. I think I was looking around and I had so many people who were like, I want to be a partner at Latham and I want to be a partner at, you know, Paul, what was it place called? No, the other one, (laughs) Paul Weiss. Um, And like all these big law firms, they want to be partners. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I guess I could do that. It's fine. Like, sure. I mean, I'm on big deals. It can probably be right. I can make it happen. But at a certain point I looked up and I was like, no shade to the partners that I work with because they were great. But I was like, I don't want that life. Like that's not for me. So why am I competing for this job that I actually have no interest in? Mm -hmm. And so I wish I could have stepped back a little bit earlier and said like, okay, Nicole, what do you want your law journey to look like? And I now know that like that was going in-house, right? Like I wanted to have a work-life balance, A, like Alexa, you know, mentioned, like I love my family. I'm married. I have been with him for a long time. So like I miss spending a lot of time with him when I was in the law firms. And so you know, these are things that really matter to me. And had I thought about those things earlier, I think I would have earlier been able to realize like, okay, kick ass and do the best work that you can while you're at this law firm. So you can go on to what's next for you, but don't forget that what's next for you is not what's next for the person who wants to be partner. Like you, this is not what you want. So don't try and create your life to look like that. Mm -hmm. Snaps for that. That, That's that's a good one. Cause I, I feel like as three L's, we can, we totally, you can't compare to some people already have job offers and mm-hmm. we don't. So it's like, sometimes it's really hard not to get anxious and think, Oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? Am I dumb? Like you were saying, um, and all of that. So totally agree. So tell us about going in-house. I know everyone says that it's better on the soul. <laughs> so <laughs> share with us your first transition, how you got that job and what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. I'll go first. Um, so I had told myself, I think I heard you say, uh, try to, I, it's funny. I think I heard five years at the law firm before you yeah, could hang a thing. That's the number. I don't know who made that know. rumor up, but that's what I, I went to law too. school thinking too. I was like, I need yeah. five fucking years. I was like, I got to do my time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time. I, I was like, and then it was funny because each year of practice, I was like, I would reduce it. I'm like five in my first year, four in my second year, third in my third year. Right. I was like, eh, we don't need to be here for so long, do we? So I was only able to last a little over three years okay. at, at GT. And so, um, by the way, the journey going in house is tough, right? It's very yeah. competitive. And I remember hearing certain detractors will say who were like, nah, are you sure you can do that? Especially coming from real estate, right? Mm-hmm. I would just say like, somebody has to get that job. Why can't it be you? Mm-hmm. Right. And if, if you, if you bought into that mentality, you probably wouldn't even be at law school mm-hmm. because people are going to tell you, ah, oh, you can't, you can't do the LSAT. And then you can't, mm-hmm. you can't uh, get decent grades and then you can't pass the bar, right? There's always something next. Mm-hmm. So do not let that psych you out. You know, you have your moments, by the way, um, have your moments to feel sad or disappointed or mad. Cause I would find myself getting mad that I was mad or frustrated that I was frustrated or sad that I was sad. Right. Yeah. I learned just let yourself feel it but then cut it off at one point and then go into your badassery mode, right? Like, okay, I had my sad moment. Now I'm going to be a badass, right? Yes. And so for me, it was a constant like, okay, how am I going to get in-house? How? Who's going to who's gonna take me? And it was a crazy, just kind of, I got lucky. It was a good mix of stuff. I was working with a recruiter. You're going to get headhunters all the time trying to recruit you because they make money off of you by you know the amount of people they can recruit. So I was thinking, I'm not happy with GT. I'm not happy with the law. Maybe it's GT. Let me try somewhere else. So I started working with a recruiter in my third year. And she 
luckily enough, happened to go in-house at Amazon Studios, which is where I currently work, right? It's where we work. So over like a course of six months, um, and you know, happy to get into the details, but essentially that's literally how it happened. I'd been working at, uh, interviewing at different firms. I even went to a different firm temporarily because Amazon Studios basically said I was too young. They wanted somebody that had at least four years of experience. I had three at the time. So I said, okay, well, I got to go somewhere else then. So I went to another law firm that I won't mention because sorry, guys, because I gave my... <laughs> so funny. After it's my favorite story. After only one and a half months at this new firm, I get the call from Amazon Studios. Hey, remember us? Well, we just opened a new position and uh, it actually will allow us to hire you, even though you're under the four-year mark. You don't have to interview again. Can you take it? Oh, and we need to know by next week. And I'm thinking, what? I just took a new position. I'm a one month and a half in. And by the way, it was miserable. I was working more than at GT, right? So culturally, I missed GT. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be the most awkward moment of your life, Alexa. And I gave my two weeks notice. Um, And so (laughs) terrible. Do not want to go back over that experience. Uh, But that's how it happened. And so I went to... Amazon Studios, um, where I've been for almost four years now. So in-house, it's great. I mean, compared, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember hearing horror stories. Amazon, it's it's a sweatshop. You're gonna work so much. Maybe, but not compared to a law firm. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you, you probably weren't at a law firm before if you feel that way. Truly. Um, and then there are some unique um features of of Amazon Studios that just lends itself to being great. Like they run lean, but you have outside counsel. So then it was like, okay, I'm leaning on old me, outside counsel, <laughs> to do my work, you know, and to help me get my work done anyway. So that was so nice. A lot more predictable. People sign off by well, 6 p.m. is even general, five, four. It depends. It depends. But work-life balance, a lot better. Um, and the people, just more diversity too. Um, more women, men, men of color, women of color, uh, more LGBTQ folks too than uh, my other professional experiences. So on a lot of fronts, it was great. And of course, I met my current BFF, Bestie Nicole, uh, at Amazon. So it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, so I was at Latham. Okay, so I should say before that, I had the, sim- the same thought that Alexa did, where it's like you have to do your five years to get out and go in-house. So I was just trying to like buy my time at that point. And I was like, dear God, I don't know if I can make it like a month more. So I was at Latham doing M&A then, which was like killer um, in all regards. But uh, I also made it like three and a half years. And I was like, I literally, I can't do this anymore. Like it got to a point where a lot, like a lot of my relationships were fractured because I didn't have time to see people. And I also, to Alexa's point, I was not taking care of myself. And she knows, like, I am somebody who I love like self-care. I have like soul Sundays when I like deep condition my hair and like candles and read and you know, I really, really love going to the gym. I actually, I hate working out, but I love the feeling that I get from it. And I know that I can like be more clear headed when I do it. But at that point I, did, I hadn't worked out for like a year, um, maybe a little bit over that besides like the occasional soul cycle that was literally next door to the firm. So it was like, oh, I can go here if I got to sleep the night before and then like I'll work out and then go into the office. And if somebody emails me, I'm like right here, I can run over, which is really like toxic when you think of it in and of itself. And not that anybody had ever said that to me. That was just the pressure that I was putting on myself as a junior associate to always be available. But I realized that like, this is the person that I am. I'm always stressed out. I'm always going to want to be like the biggest and the best. 
And I was like, that, that if I stay at a law firm, like I'm going to burn myself out. This is like not the right fit for my personality. And so three and a half years in, I was like, okay, I, I just can't, I can't, this is not good for me. And so I started talking to recruiters and they were all, they were not helpful. I'm going to be honest. Like their job is yeah. to help you. And they were all like, you're too junior. You're not going to find an in-house job. You're also not going to find a job in entertainment because you have no entertainment experience. Like we wouldn't recommend doing like, don't try. And I was, I was really, really crushed for a little bit. And my now husband, then boyfriend was like, fuck them. Like, go do what you want to do. Just try. Like, the worst thing you're going to hear is a no. And you've heard no a million times before. So like, you'll be fine. Yep. And I was like, you're right. I'm going to do it. So I just happened to like start browsing on, I don't, I'm sure they still have it. They've, it's called goinhouse.com. Yeah, it's great. And that was like the holy grail of in-house jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they still are quite functional. And so sign up for the alerts. Yeah. I turn on an alert and I was like entertainment jobs in New York. Cause I was in New York at that point in time and like was not yet ready to move. And I just kind of started to watch things roll in and I saw like Amex and some other things. And eventually I saw CBS and I was like, oh, you know what? A network could be really cool. Like that's the foundation of entertainment and how it got started. Like, let's try. Interviewed at CBS. I interviewed at two other places. Um, CBS felt like the best fit for me culturally. I really liked the people who were there. Um, The GC was like absolutely fantastic. And he had also come from big law. And so... I think he saw, he was like, I know that you don't have entertainment experience, but he was like, I know that you have deal and transactional experience. And he was like, that goes so much further than somebody who knows entertainment because he was like, you know how to negotiate, you know how to run a project, you know how to draft an agreement. I can teach you, you know, the things that you need to know about entertainment to make this work. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I'm going to be real. Like the pay was less because big law pays crazy to, and they, they have to, right? Because you're working all the time. You've given up your life to them. So you're making a shit ton of money and you go in-house and you take a pay cut. But I was like, you know what? For my mental sanity, it's fine. Like, I don't need that fucking money. Like I, I wasn't doing anything with it anyways because I was miserable. Yeah. So like, let's just leave. We'll figure out all the finances and we'll make this work. And so that, you know, that was how I was at CBS, stayed there again, doing sports and news for a bit, which was not like my dream entertainment scheme, but I thought it was going to be really great training, which it was, um, but kept networking the entire time. And my husband's job moved him to LA. And at that point, I just didn't feel like, so sports and news is based in New York primarily for most networks and working in LA doing that was just like, I was waking up at four in the morning to manage clients in New York. And I was like, this is, it's not working all over again. And realizing again, like this is not a good fit for me and my personality. Cause I'll be up until, you know, 10 and then wake up at 2am to answer emails. Like, that's not cool. And again, nobody told me to do that. I was doing it to myself. So I was like, okay, so what's next? I know that I want to do film. Like, how do I make that work? And Amazon Studios luckily kind of came onto the radar. And so I interviewed with them and it all kind of, it was not quick. It was a couple month process because, you know, some of these big tech places that are inherently tech, um, yeah. even though they now, now have entertainment arms can move a bit slower, but ultimately got the offer. And then I sold you on it. She did. She did. I always tell her this. So she, when I got the offer, <clears throat> I was unsure because I had heard kind of like she alluded to the culture at, you know, the, the tech companies kind of being a little bit shaky. And I really did like the people that most of the people that I was working with at CBS. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to give this up. Like, I love my clients. My direct managers were really great. I just, I was just like really on the fence for a little bit. And so they gave me the offer and they were like, well, talk to this other associate in the group. She's really, really great. Or this other corporate counsel in the group. She's great. You'll like, just hear her out. And so I talked to her and she's like, I'm going on vacation tomorrow, but if you have time to talk, like maybe I was like, oh, okay. She's going on vacation and it's too busy. Like, that's a good sign. Cause I was like, she takes vacations. Like the culture is not that bad. And then honest. We got on the phone and she was like, great. And she was like, listen, 
they're of course they're hard days because you're always going to have hard days no matter where you are. But she was like, the team is great. You've got outside counsel who can help you with the bigger legal questions that sometimes we don't have time to get into. Um, and you know, we, we kind of all work together as a team and support each other. And that's been the case since mm-hmm. I've been here. Rest um, is history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I want to know what you guys do. Yeah. So I think before you guys explain what you do right now, could you just give our listeners a general idea of what entertainment law is in the transactional, I guess. Yeah. What yeah, yeah, it looks like. You're like, what's, what's transit? What is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, there are many different aspects of entertainment, right? You could do entertainment finance. So, you know, you imagine there's distribution deals. People have to finance the movies or the, the television shows, less so television shows, film more. But I think the bread and butter, if I had to just give you guys like a good overview, it's negotiating the writer showrunner deals, the director deals, the producer deals, the, you know, the, the people that you see on screen. We, you, Negotiating that and then papering those agreements, right? So it depends in-house. A lot of studios will have the role together. You'll see business affairs and, and legal affairs combined. So a person would negotiate the commercial points. And then once those commercial points are closed, would then paper, right? Just document, negotiate the agreement and done. Mm-hmm. Some studios like Amazon, they're bifurcated. So you have a legal team and you have a business affairs team. So the business affairs team, you are like ex-lawyers, right? <laughs> there was like a, I think at UCLA too, because UCLA has a big entertainment law program. So everyone would say, I want to go in-house and then I want to leave in, uh, law and become a BA. That way I don't have to practice law anymore. Meaning you don't have to actually get into the agreements. You can just negotiate the commercial points, right? You're just like on the phone. So you picture like in the movies, right? They're like 500, no, 300, no, 400, you know? And then you're like, close. And then you basically (laughs) hand it to legal and you're like, good luck. (laughs) So that's what I had in my head when I, when I went in house. Um, And so that's basically what you do, whether it's for TV or movies. Like we said, Nicole is on the movie side. I do scripted TV. So um, actually, we're both not practicing lawyers anymore. We obviously, we have our bar. We practiced um, for what's almost six years, seven years, whatever. Yeah, can't lost track. (laughs) But actually earlier this year, we transitioned from the legal team to the business affairs team. So we're no longer actually papering, that's what we call it, right? Papering the deals. We're negotiating the commercial points. We're on with talent lawyers, agents. Yeah, We're so negotiating, funny. you know, actor deals, which Nicole loves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a lot of, you know, in, in production companies, right? You're you're on it. You're like, oh, this show that you see on Amazon, oh, I negotiated that deal. Who, you know, I now I see that actor and I know what you're getting, you know, so that kind of stuff. So. And I think it's worth noting too, right? Like Everybody, you don't have to be in-house being an entertainment lawyer because I definitely considered like doing entertainment law at a firm. But again, there was like knowing the personality and that like my type A self would just never let me have a life outside of it. But I also think what's fun about being in-house is that you see all of the things that go into the machine, right? Like I thought in-house would be for me because I was like, I want to get to know one client instead of having a hundred clients. Like, let me have one company where I understand the ins and outs and their strategy and why they do things the way they do and the policies behind like even an indemnification provision, because I think it just makes you, it, I felt like a better attorney when I was like, I understand why we draw the line here. And so, you know, to her point, like on the legal team, you're the person who understands all of those things and you manage outside counsel and say like, here's what we can and cannot do. And here's why, like, help me close this out so that we can start development or start production, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what kind of issues do you usually like go to outside counsel for? Everything. (laughs) You know, it depends. I will speak for myself. So when I was managing, I was managing our drama slate. So we have different slates, right? So on our TV side, we have genre, which is like the Lord of the Rings, um, right? You got fantasy, Uh, drama, you know, we all know that as comedy and animation. And so the way that Amazon Studios works is there's a a lawyer for each of those slates on the development side and on the production side. And that's the other thing about entertainment, right? So you have things that come into development. So that means when people are pitching ideas, right? So you have this up and coming writer and they, they want to talk to your creative executives. Hey, I got this great idea. It's a show about uh, a post office, right? And we're going to, it's going to, it's going to be great. Right. And let's say the creative execs go, ah, this is a brilliant show. This could be the next office, right? Uh, Let's develop this more. And so then they'll tell business affairs, go enter into deals for this writer, this producer, and let's see what happens. And now let's say that goes from development, they're developing it. So they're, they're building the pilot script. They're talking about what the show's going to look like. And let's say creative goes, this is going to be a hit. Let's produce it. So then that's mm. when the show gets greenlit. And so that means we're going to actually make the show. Let's produce it. So then the production legal team will take over. Okay, everything that goes into production. So where are we going to shoot? Um, how much is it going to cost? Who, right? The cameraman, the crew, everything that goes into shooting that. Let's negotiate that all, right? And that will happen in different forms. And then let's say, okay, the show's done. It's in post now. We're going to edit it. It's going to look all shiny and new. Okay, now we got to market it. And so then you have the marketing legal team. So we need to enter into all these marketing deals with all these people and we need to put billboards, right? And we need to write everything that goes into the show. And so that's kind of like the process um, for TV. And so for me, I was on the development TV drama slate. So I handled everything in development. And so it tends to be high volume because you're going to develop a lot more than you're actually going to produce mm-hmm. because you're going to have a lot of ideas come through, but you got to pick and choose which one we're going to produce because it costs a lot of money, millions of dollars, yeah. right? So I just handled all of that stuff when I was in legal and it was exciting. Um, the kind of issues we'd face, it really just depended. Mainly, I would say it got hectic when something was going into production because that was the moment in time agreements need to be finalized. Everybody, you know, you, you chain of title was big too, especially if the show was based on an underlying book, let's say. Okay, well, was this book previously exploited? Let's say, I don't know, Showtime tried to make this into a show and then they go, nah, it's a bad idea. We're going to pass. So then it comes to us and we go, why did Showtime pass? This is a great idea. But as legal, you have to make sure it's all cleared because you are saying that we can, we have the right to make this into a TV show. But what if, I don't know, Joe Schmo comes out and goes, hey, that's my screenplay or hey, I have a right to this, right? So as the lawyer really? on the development side, I would say my, I was primarily concerned with, okay, do we have all the rights we need in order to make this show? Um, that's That's my TV spiel. Yes, that, that, well, that's what we call chain of title is, I think, and I think Lex mentioned that, like clearing it to make sure that we actually have the rights. So I did a ton of that on the movie side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did a lot of international films for a while, which were like definitely difficult because it's new territories and yeah. 
just like international anything can be complicated, right? And so as we have those conversations and try to figure out like, what do we even want to do as a studio, we had to engage counsel to like, okay, what are the standards here? Because we're obviously the US when we're LA, even more specifically than that. So there's a lot of precedent and standard for how we handle things here. What are those conversations look like elsewhere? Um, mm-hmm. Like, what are you guys, like what's standard or what's normal? Or like, what do these terms mean for you? Because, you know, while we can terminate things in a certain way, in the US, mm-hmm. that's not always the case in other places. So it was understanding like industry norms. Um, like Alexa said, leaning on them for chain of title and making sure we had rights. And also just telling us like at certain points, it was definitely um, a lot of like language working because I think at a, you know, we were doing like the high level internal legal stuff. And not to make us sound fancy, but like we were having the conversations with the internal parties that we would then take to outside counsel and be like, here's what we can do. Can you put that into an agreement? And not that we're not capable of doing that or that we weren't capable. It was just like when you're in-house, you're managing so many things that in-house companies often have outside counsel because they need to leverage you as you know an employee the best way that they can and like make the most of your time. Mm-hmm. I would say you're like a glorified project manager, right? So I would have 30 shows in development. So my job is to make sure each one is running smoothly. I don't have enough time to get into the weeds on each one. Mm-hmm. So you're the point of escalation. Mm-hmm. You're risk assessing. Okay, here's this problem. Let me talk to my creative team. Let me talk to my business affairs team. Here's the issue. This is what I recommend from a legal perspective. What do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, we're advisors. Yeah. And so a lot of times, and that's the important thing about the entertainment world, relationships take over. That was the funniest thing that we would joke about. Like we spent hours in an agreement and despite what it says, usually the entertainment world it's a close-knit community. No mm-hmm. one wants to piss off anybody else. So yeah. if there is an issue, relationships are going to take over. You're going to get on a call and you're going to go, Joe Schmo, come on, how do we work this out? <laughs> Paperwork aside, what do you want from us? What do you need? Usually money. Um, so you just go, <laughs> okay, let's fix it, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I feel like I just got like the best lesson on entertainment law and- in a nutshell, like so clear. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, that was, was so really great. good. Yeah. And also just a totally different we just talked to someone about uh lawyer jobs that aren't at the law firm and that is just crazy because it's what I would imagine a JD preferred kind of job is yeah. <laughs> like that legal advice you need and that legal experience but you're a, like you said a glorified project manager you're an advisor you're making sure you're putting out fires yeah lots of fires yeah Yeah. everything's burning all the time all the time (laughs) and so you just kind of learn how to balance and navigate and pivot and all law school and the whole legal field is that yeah and I think that's where we also learned too that like being a lawyer kind of to your point doesn't have to be so cookie cutter everybody doesn't have to be in a law firm even everybody doesn't have to be in-house like we've now found that we've got this other passion for law in a new way doing our podcast legally judgy where we can talk about recent you know legal issues from the entertainment industry and so now we now have obviously a lot of entertainment knowledge but we've also got separate legal knowledge and so we can kind of blend all these things together in a way that's fun for us like you guys have found a way to, you know, get engaged and be excited about being in law school and what the journey after looks like. So there's definitely like, you find, you, you, I think we all have to spend the time and sometimes, you know, it takes a bit of time to figure out like, okay, I did all this. Like, what does this translate to? Mm-hmm. And so I think for us, like, I mean, besides our jobs, which we obviously get paid to do and have worked our way up to, like, we really enjoy doing our podcast and like dorking out about legal stuff in this whole new way. Mm-hmm. You yeah. want something fun. Just remember that. Try to strive for that. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds so fun. Like I working know. at a studio. I know. So tell us a little bit about you guys' podcast and when y'all started it and how that is going. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. So we started, oh my God. Um, we so we work together, obviously. We're also very good friends. Our spouses are also friends. We spend a lot of time together. Too much time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so last year around this time, actually, it was like a little bit after the holidays. I think it was after Thanksgiving. We were like, <clears throat> excuse me, we were like trying to figure out what we do with our free time. Not that there's a ton of that, but we were like, we just wanted to do something different and kind of exercise our muscles in a different way and also have a passion project. And so we had all these various ideas. We have like documents full of ideas we were going to embark upon. And then at some point we like sat down just to like have fun and kind of fuck around in front of the camera and started talking about something. And we were like, oh, this is working for us. Like we've kind of got a good vibe. Like what can we make out of this? It was us and hell. Yeah. Yeah. Us we were talking about hell. us being That's in hell. Was. That was somehow the, the gatekeeper for our creativity. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, like, what do we want to talk about? And we started to think about what are the things that we talk about just for fun? And frequently, basically all day long, we're sending each other like memes and articles. And did you see who got sued doing this? And who's <laughs> who bro- breached their contract and all these things? And we were like, okay, that's a thing. We both like pop culture. We like entertainment. We're lawyers. Let's try to blend these together. And so we started recording in January, February-ish. Mm-hmm. And we launched the podcast in February of 2021, which is crazy. It feels like years ago at this point. And so basically on the podcast, we break down recent legal issues from pop culture and entertainment. So for instance, we talked about Scarlett Johansson suing Disney over the Black Widow movie and her profits. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently did an episode about Kendall Jenner breaching a contract for this like modeling arrangement that she had in Italy. We've done... Dorit Kemsley, don't forget about her. Real Housewives. Real Housewives, Real Housewives and her popular. tax issues. Yeah. We did. We did. One of our favorite episodes to do was Patrizia Gucci. She was one of the, she was married to one of the Gucci heirs and killed him. Um, and so they're making Through a hitman allegedly. Yeah, they they just made a movie about her, Lady, with Gaga. Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, and we were like, we have to talk about this, right? And it was like hilarious because I mean, murder is not funny, obviously, but she was like an absolute character, and there were so many funny things that weren't even just like legal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we try to basically we we talk about this a lot where we have friends or family be like, "Hey, can can I ask you this legal question?" And you're like, "Uh, you know, because there's a part of you is like, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> do you know what my rate is? No, it can't, can't be that arrogant. <laughs> but but you know, there is a need to disseminate information in easy to understand way. So on top of the interest, it was always it was also like, okay, this could be cool to empower people to feel like the law is more accessible. Mm-hmm. So how do we teach people in a fun way? And it's entertaining, right? The banter, the jokes, like we mm-hmm. try to intertwine that. So it doesn't feel like you're listening to NPR because <laughs> boo, like nobody wants that. Boo. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not serious. Right. You have to be so serious in your, yeah. well, I'm not even that serious at work actually, but you know, it's just, we should have levity as much as possible because you can be serious and I don't know, curmudgeon later when you're old, mm-hmm. if you really want to. But mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, let's have fun. Right. So for, for me, I wanted to start something where I could be creative. I think too, when you're in the entertainment world and then you're like, well, you get paid how much for that pilot script? <laughs> I can write something better. You know, you get a kind of like this itch to do something creative and fun that yeah. where you just kind of, you don't have to think about anything serious. You're just talking to your friend and you're like, hey, did you see that Dorit Kemsley of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has like a m- over a million dollars worth of tax liens? What's up with that? You know, and you kind of talk about it and you break it down mm-hmm. and then 
it's been a pretty, we've had a pretty good reception, you know, because some people even not only do they, we get the, you guys are entertaining, but Hey, you really helped me understand contracts and I'm a small business owner. And those are the moments where we're like, Oh, you know, you get a little tear in your eye and you're like, you're welcome. I'm so happy that we're doing something productive on top of the fun and entertaining parts of it, you know? Snaps for all of that. I mean, disseminating the law is clearly very difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going through that right now, you know? (laughs) Um, I think that there's so many times where I listen to NPR and other podcasts that are big time news podcasts. And I think, you know, I'm I only know what that is because I sat through constitutional law class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I only know what that is because I went to that class or did that thing. And you're exactly right. I get my parents, especially asking me like, what's standing, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's just things like that, that you think um, people can be so empowered when they know more and being able to talk about the law on a level that everyone can understand is a gift Mm-hmm. And yeah. to be entertaining while you do it, guys, that's amazing. I mean, so. exactly like she did before with the entertainment law. Like that was the easiest I know. explanation that I've gotten for, you should just be a professor at the literally. Point. Like <laughs> I'm told. sure. Might have to quit <laughs> legally judging. I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, really though. So. But it helps a lot of people, right? So what we always come back to is like, you're if you are confused or you have a question, I can guarantee you you're not the only one that has that question or is confused yeah. always, right? So I think that there's a beauty in becoming more confident in the things that you don't know. I will not pretend that I don't know something. Um, Nicole may be a little bit different. Uh, she's she's working she on it. can be a know-it-all sometimes. Yeah, I, we love her for it. But, you know, there's there's a vulnerability that I think if we all just kind of admitted that kind of stuff um, a yeah. little bit more frequently, we would all just feel a lot better about ourselves to be like, oh, you too? You know, and it's not like the podcast is easy for us even. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of research that we do, right? I mm-hmm. think the other misconception is everyone thinks that if you're a lawyer, you know all of the laws. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't know all of the laws. Don't ask me about, you know... Bankruptcy. Bank. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I yeah. think that means people went broke, you know? So anyways... <laughs> Um, but I think yeah. it's also like Alexa said, it's about it's for us. We really like, I mean, I'm a former teacher, but we also just like empowering people. Like there's a way to learn and to like be a well-equipped person in society without reading, you know, the wall street journal every day. Like you can get these lessons via things yeah. that you enjoy. And I really like pop culture. And I always felt like something was wrong with me for enjoying that. Cause it was like, what am I getting out of this? Like, why do I know yeah. all of Kim Kardashian's kids names? And I'm like, no, like we can make use of that in a different way. You know what I mean? Like we can talk about her legal issues and suddenly it all becomes relevant. And I know, and we've obviously found a lot of listeners who feel the same way, who are like, I really enjoy this stuff, but I also want to learn. So like, let's meld the two and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, will you tell everyone where they can find y'all? Yes, of course. Everywhere. If you can't find <laughs> us, let us know. Cause that's a problem. We will drive to but you. But I guess if you can't find us, how are you going to let us know? So we're on <laughs> Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google, we're on Pandora for the old people like me who actually have a subscription to Pandora. Um, <laughs> check out our Instagram. we got a Twitter, we got a YouTube. I mean, we're not desperate, but we might be a little bit desperate. So just, you know, hit us up, check us out, have a few laughs, learn a little bit and reach out with any questions. We do a Q&A segment now. We're in our season two. So personal, professional, uh, we got a lot going on to just make ourselves more accessible and help people feel more empowered. And all of our socials are at Legally Judgy. So super easy. We're in bright yellow. Yep. Our, our, our logo. Yeah. So <laughs> hit us well, up. Well, 
definitely make sure to put all of your links in the show notes. And I can already tell like how much I've been like enjoying this podcast, listening to it. I'm like, oh, I like listening to this, you know, like we're, <laughs> we're but we're like recording with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine how our listeners are going to flock to your podcast. And it was just so great. And I really enjoyed talking with you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. We're like so impressed by what you guys are doing. I think to undertake this podcast while you're in law school and obviously like studying and working real jobs and trying to find jobs for after law school. And then also doing this, like it's really amazing. And I'm sure so many people feel like I'm not the only one who feels this way in law school and they listen to you guys. So kudos to you. And you know, thanks for letting us degenerate old lady attorneys Mm -hmm. hang out with you. Once you guys get old like us, we know where all the walkers are. So just hit us up. We got you. I know we're getting there close. It's like less than a year from now. We're going to be barred and yeah. it'll be great. Real life. Real, it'll yeah, be worth real, it. You'll have I'm, pretty, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I don't think neither of us want to necessarily do big law. That seems a little scary though. Yeah, don't, 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 geographical location type even particular company so when i was looking i put on alerts for netflix for mm-hmm. example amazon studios you choose like think of a company that you're interested in and even i would say reach out if i can just one last bit of advice reach out to lawyers at law firms or companies through their linkedin and be like hey i'm a 3l can i have an informational phone call or or coffee with you i did that a lot and it may not result in any real work. You don't know, but you build relationships that way. And nine out of 10 times, people didn't always respond. But again, that one, right? So just so that you guys can do more fact-finding about what kind of law you'd even want to practice, because pick their brains, ask them, do they like what they do? Yeah. How's the work-life balance? Those are things mm-hmm. that I wish I would have done a little bit more of as opposed to just chasing the paycheck, mm-hmm. you know? Be be as informed as possible. Empowered, right? Just yeah. be as empowered as possible. It's going to be tiring. It's exhausting. Create a template and then personalize it a little bit for each person and you're good to go. All there right. you go, guys. The money right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah, for having us. You. All right, guys. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, don't you just want to listen to them more and more? I know I definitely have and... I really enjoy their podcast. I enjoy them. They're totally like best friends. I love that. I really saw our friendship in them and I really enjoyed getting to talk to them and making new friends. Like seriously, I feel like they're cool older sisters. I just want to call up whenever I'm like, guys, I don't know what to do. And they'll just keep it real. Exactly. I love it when people can keep it real and honest and they were amazing. At the end, I was like, uh, can we like visit LA? Cause like, I want to meet you guys and like go hey, get no. drinks. <laughs> um, so yeah, I loved meeting them, recording with them and go check out their podcast, Legally Judgy. It's on all the platforms and obviously we'll have all the links below so you can follow them and subscribe. And while you're at it, you can subscribe to our podcast if you haven't yet. You can follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. And Haley, what are we at member-wise on the Facebook group? Oh my goodness. We are at 2.5K. We are at 2.6. So 
I mean, guys, there's just a lot of conversation going on in there. I love it. You know, we were talking about older, younger sister, and that's our whole goal here is to build this community of people we can rely on and contact and reach out to when things are crazy, whether that's should I take the LSAT twice? You know, you hear all these rumors about random stuff in law school, in law, legal life, and, you know, you just want to have a place that you can go and ask someone like, hey, is that true? Or is this just a myth? (laughs) So the Facebook group is 100% the place to do it. And it's just such a beautiful community. So join it. I would also say that you pre-law people, if you have questions about specific schools, there's probably members from Every every school at this point. So if you like... There's people in there, you know, meeting up, giving advice on certain schools. So I feel like that's a great way to get some honest insight on schools because, you know, what you see is probably published, you know, a blurb that the school sent to the like U.S. news or whatever to like put on their website and stuff. So it's always nice to get some real advice. Exactly. And there's nothing like meeting up with someone and starting your networking journey early and being able to have that conversation, what I like to say is, and as you'll learn when you go to law school, off the record, meaning in person, face-to-face, not written. <laughs> so you just want to have those open dialogues about law schools and just the way they really felt about it. And you know, one of my go-to questions is like, what was your experience like at fill in the blank? And it's a very broad question and they can take it how they want to take it. And you can really get some insight into how they feel about school the school, the programs that they offer, etc. Yes, guys. So on that note, I know finals are coming up really soon for us at least. So we're going to be hunkering down soon and finishing out strong. And then we'll be going into our last semester, which is freaking crazy. We actually just registered for classes last week. So Next episode, we will give you guys a little update on, you know, our plans and all of that kind of stuff. But as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.